0: Welcome to another episode of Gear 30 on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, the founder of Blister, and you can check out all the other stuff we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. We've been on a bit of a podcast hiatus since we were extremely tied up with our 1819 Winter Buyer's Guide. But our brains are now back to functioning fairly well, and we are going to be back on track with our weekly Gear 30 schedule. By now, we hope you've had a chance to check out The Buyer's Guide. A whole lot goes into putting together a book like this, so today I'm talking with Blister editors Sam Shaheen and Luke Kappa about some of the specifics, and we'll be circling back to some related topics on some upcoming episodes. But today, Sam, Luke, and I talk a bit about the current state of buyer's guides in general, and then we discuss some of our best of award winners, our product of the year, and more. Finally, if you have any comments or questions about the guide that you'd like to see us address on a future Gear 30 episode, feel free to email us or to leave a question in the comments section to the episode's show notes on the website. And now, let's get to my conversation with Sam and Luke. Well, I'm here today with Sam Shaheen and Luke Kappa. We actually recorded this a while back when the the three of us were in our new headquarters in Crested Butte at Elevation, and it was really lovely, and we were the group was together to debrief on the making of this buyer's guide, and it was a really nice moment in the new space, and then the audio was all messed up, and was completely corrupted, so we didn't get to use that, and we are actually, full disclosure, not in the same room right now, but we are re-recording this uh, conversation about the making of the Buyer's Guide, and so them are the breaks. A couple things I wanted to say before we get started. The print edition of the Buyer's Guide actually shipped out today. So those of you who already ordered the guide, you should start checking your mailboxes in a, you know the next day or two. Those of you who haven't ordered the guide, you still can. We still have some copies available, and you can order the print guide on the website if you like. Let's see. I guess the other things today, we did just today go live with our new edition of the blister pro so you can see the new graphic on the site if you haven't already we're we're actually really excited about this one we think it looks great and there's a story about that graphic on the site as well too so i think those are some of the uh that's some of the news around here and with that i will first say hello to sam shaheen hi sam hey how's it going it's going really well uh Just uh, some other background information. I'm currently kind of furious with Sam because we have to hurry up on this podcast because Sam has a freaking date at 4.30 on a Thursday. So all that stuff we always talk about how hard we work here at Blister, apparently that's really not true (laughs) because Sam Shaheen just goes on rollerblading dates at 4.30 on a Thursday. So we're actually basically... The laziest uh, media company that I really am aware of. And I am ashamed. Um, and Sam, you better marry this girl because if you don't, I'm just going to be mad at you probably forever.
1: Oh, just cut me some slack, man.
0: Well, you did work real hard. If it was on- August, we
1: could have gone at like six in the afternoon when the sun's out, but it gets dark.
0: That's true. So your claim is It's a safety. It's a safety. It's a safety <laughs> the claim is you yeah. have to go early because you're going on a rollerblading date? That's
1: not a claim. Those are the facts.
0: Those are facts. Okay. <laughs> and and I guess I guess the fact like how hard you actually worked on this buyer's guide, probably getting off of work half an hour early on one day, I guess that's probably okay. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. I've reconsidered my <laughs> I've reconsidered my position, Sam. I'm no longer angry at you. <laughs> that said, you are definitely you are definitely not my favorite. That would be Luke Kappa, who always works hard and never gets off of work half an hour <laughs> early. Uh, so, Luke, how are you doing today?
2: I'm doing well.
0: Okay, you're not going rollerblading mm, in a minute
2: here. No, I'm not going rollerblading. I am hopefully going to Golden this afternoon to check out Icelandic's new line. Um, But no rollerblading for me today.
0: That sounds cool. Okay. Well, cool. Well, listen, this is, I guess we we had a trial run, and frankly, like, I think I in particular was so scattered the last time we tried to record this thing that um, I'm actually feeling better, less scattered, and pretty well-rested, I'm happy to report. So it was probably all for the best that that last... uh, go around on this didn't actually make, you know, the light of day. But um, you know, it is. It's always a big deal. This was the the fourth buyer's guide we've done, and for the fourth year in a row, it really does feel like every year we turn in a group master's thesis or PhD dissertation, and it's staggering because you're supposed to kind of do one master's thesis in your life or one PhD dissertation, not do one every single year. So I, I don't know, we're, uh, we're dumb. I think that's my punchline. I don't know why we do this. And to be honest, I mean, like, it's kind of alarming. Like, when you look at what everybody else is kind of putting out there, God bless you, Outside Magazine, but your winter buyer's guide had nine skis in it. Like, nine skis. We had 207. So one of us is doing it wrong. And I guess we'll let the public decide who that is, you know. And then I, I think Powder had something like 50 skis in theirs. And I don't know. This is how we think a buyer's guide should be done. I don't know. Do you guys have anything to say about this?
2: Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I've taken a look at most of the other ones at this point. And the thing that continues to stand out to me is... Just the fact that no one else compares any other skis or products in general. They'll never call out a, another brand's product in a different brand's product description, which to me, after working with Blister, it just seems like that's what you have to do to give people a good idea of what something is. Um, and yeah, that's that just stood out to me this year. It, it seems kind of ridiculous to tell people that, yeah, we're going to tell you all about the best gear and which one's right for you. And you won't know what differentiates anything.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think frankly, just the other thing to say is like, you want to know where it would make sense or why it might make sense to not do any comparisons at all. If your buyer's guide is simply advertisements that are basically masquerading as reviews, you know, and I, I mean, look, we know that this is how these things are structured. I think the, some of the public is kind of catching on, but I still frankly think not enough people are aware of this and, you know, we don't take any money from the ski manufacturers. No ski manufacturer or snowboard company or binding maker or whatever paid anything to be in this guide or to advertise in their guide. And that's just not true of the other ones out there. And I think you can see that in like the product that's put out. So anyway, it's free country. Everybody's allowed to do a guide the way they want, but I also still do find it kind of alarming that these companies just are doing it this way and that anybody bothers with them to be honest so no just one man's opinion <laughs> Sam you're awfully quiet are you like oh, I'm trying on your clean. rollerblading <laughs> yeah you rollerblading <laughs> Sam Sam Sam's saying above the fray yeah he's 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 Switzerland I I um,
1: I do have opinions though you know You
2: do most um, of which Jonathan doesn't agree with
0: That's generally true, actually. (laughs) So let's go ahead and talk about some of our best of award winners. You can read some of our caveats about that in our buyer's guide, but these are definitely some of the products that very much stood out to us. And to get started, let's go with, you know, to be honest, in the past, we haven't every year given out a product of the year. We kind of think that, that isn't an award that needs to be given out every year. It should be given out when there is a kind of standout product of the year. And this year we had one. Sam, do you want to talk about that?
1: Oh yeah, for sure. The, um, the atomic slash Solomon shift MNC binding is just, um, it's an incredible kind of paradigm changing product that just it changes the way that, that you can think about backcountry skiing. It also is an amazing product to make fifty-fifty quick quivers because you can take a, fi- a, a, a ski, put a shift on it, and ski it with alpine binding safety, essentially, um, inbounds, and you can also tour on it, and the binding skis incredibly well. Like mm-hmm. We skied really hard on this thing. We had two pairs over the course of the year, and we put a ton of days on them, and uh, yeah, it's, it's an excellent product.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just think too, like, I think there are a bunch of skiers out there who are as, you know, as backcountry skiing increasingly becomes more of a thing. And it's like, oh, I, I want one ski and I'm going to ski it in bounds. And I don't know, maybe I'm going to try this backcountry thing. And it's just like, honestly, right now, if that's, if that's you, like, this is your binding. And I think, I mean, it is the binding I toured most on this past season. Uh, it is a binding I skied hard on this past season inbounds. I, I think they did something pretty remarkable there. And I still remember, Sam, I mean, you and I went out early season to Utah, right, for that mm-hmm. shift launch. And I wasn't even going to go. Be- I tried to not go. Because oh, I was yeah, like, we this, were
1: super th- skeptical
0: oh yeah, I was just like, this is stupid. And it's definitely not for me. Like I like dedicated equipment, right? So I'm not trying to buy a transformer binding, right? To be used everywhere. And I got finally kind of coaxed into going to that release. And then I was still skeptical up right until we started skiing it and putting a ton of days on it. And I'm like, wow, this thing's amazing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> There's not much more to say. It's amazing. Go, uh, go buy as many pairs as you can.
0: <laughs> yeah. Luke, you and I both spent a decent amount of time in a product that honestly in a different year where the shift binding wasn't coming out may you know maybe we want some more days in this before we would say this but this, frankly, is starting to look like it It, in and of itself could have been a contender for product of the year, and that is the Technica Zero G Tour Pro AT boot. You want to talk about that a little bit?
2: Yeah, yep. So that boot comes in just over 1,300 grams, I think, which before this year was usually that realm of kinda very lightweight, uphill-oriented touring boots. Um but it skis just as well, if not better, than any touring boot I've used uh, that's several hundred grams heavier. Um, and I think the I mean, numbers are cool to look at, and Technica is very happy that their boot came in that light. But I think the real thing that stood out to me was that because it's so light and because it skis so well and because it walks so well, I could use that boot for every single touring mission I do throughout an entire season. Like this year used it for quick laps where we're just trying to find some powder and trees used it while ski mountaineering in the spring, used it for miserable summer skiing (laughs) throughout the rest (laughs) of the year. And I honestly just, I don't see another, or I don't see a reason that I would have to have a different boot unless I was doing like, a 10 day traverse or something like that. But it, yeah, it's a really, really good product. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's all
1: that, uh, all those prison shank walk modes. Mm -hmm. They, uh, (laughs) they make really powerful boots.
0: Yeah, actually that, that actually probably should have been our product of the year. Like we're, (laughs) we're huge fans of the prison shank walk modes and, um, you know, and you can find those on the very good Hawks ultra XTD boots. And I mean, those, those, walk mechanisms are just we've found so far that design tends to be really effective. Mm-hmm. I and, forget on but, well. yep. and on the
1: Mistrale as well.
0: Yeah. And on the Mistrale yeah, yeah. 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 I mean previously that that Zero G Tour Pro, another way to classify that boot is a boot that's too light for Jonathan to be interested in at all. Exactly. <laughs> and um and I have to say, I mean, as a as a dedicated touring boot, I I would I'd be able to echo what luke is saying about i could ski that thing every day i think you know there are very good boots like the the atomic hawks ultra xtd that is still a damn good boot and now we get into like fit and the rest i think that boot probably is stiffer but at at this point i think people trying them on it's going to be a little bit more about I think the Zero-G Tour Pro might actually be coming in a little bit taller than the Hawks, but you're going to get down to, like, oh, that XTD is maybe a little bit stiffer, um, you know, or this one is a little bit taller, and I like that, or I like the shorter one. But you you are really getting into nuances about why you might choose one over the other. So, anyway, as we keep seeing, I mean, the best touring boots just keep getting increasingly impressive each year, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, absolutely. What a time to be alive. Let's keep it moving. Sam, in terms of new skis, I think you wanted to talk a bit about the vocal mantra M5.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a great ski. Um, you know, it's another one of these things like the shift. We went in went into went into this ski kind of being skeptical. And honestly, the first day I was on it, I was not a huge fan. Um, the pair had just a mm-hmm. razor sharp tune and it just felt really locked in and kind of um, unforgiving. But after we 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 got more time on it, this ski is just really fun. It's quick, it has tons of energy, it's powerful, but it's also pretty accepting of just like small mistakes it's relatively forgiving while still being able to be pushed really hard um i think it's a ski that not only a lot of people are going to get along well with but that a lot of people are, are going to be able to if you know if you're in an, an intermediate it's going to make you a better skier and if you're an expert it's going to let you have a lot of fun on the hill i'm, I'm into that ski for sure um another new ski that i think would probably be remiss if we didn't talk about in this podcast is the ben chetler 120 um it's mm-hmm. Rightly so, getting a lot of attention across ski media, um, but the ski is just, it's just great, especially for a ski that's so unbelievably light. It is just fun. It's just a plain, fun ski. It's easy to ski. It's got that a similar vibe to the M5 in that it's strong. You can push it hard, but it's still fairly forgiving. Um, and as, as, a, as a soft snow ski, as a 50-50 touring ski, as a dedicated touring ski, um, that Bench 120 is just so fun
0: hmm. And we, I know Sam, I mean, was basically raving about this ski, f- like from the moment he got on it. I haven't skied it. Luke, you haven't skied it yet, have you?
2: No, unfortunately got shipped yeah. out of
0: Colorado. <laughs> Yeah, we sent it to Cy Whitling and and I don't I don't believe this Cy will ever we'll never see that ski again. I think we did have a conversation about, Sam, we were just gonna have to send you to Idaho to murder Cy. <laughs> I think that was actually a conversation we had, yeah. wasn't it?
1: I would I'm consider pretty... that. Sending that ski away was one of the worst days of last season.
0: <laughs> yeah, we we'll we'll have to figure something out there, but um Sigh. you need to either come to Crested Butte or um, or Sam might Sam's murder you. Murder <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there's that. Let's talk about a few skis that actually aren't new, but this is the thing we like to do, right? I mean, we kind of we tend to not simply hype whatever happens to be brand new because there are a lot of good, deserving skis, and we love it, frankly, when companies build something that's great and then don't screw it up by tweaking it out. So a ski that we got on again last season. And I'm like, I remember clicking back in the first day I was on it and I'm like, yep, it's still great. Was the Nordica enforcer 100. And I got more time on that. We've got more people on that. And that ski just continues to be really money. You know, I don't, I don't actually know what Nordica is going to do, if they're going to tweak that out or leave it the same. But I actually did talk with Nordica about that. And I, told them, leave the thing alone. Like, it's still really good. I don't care that it's not, you know, a brand new ski, like a new design like it was a few years ago. It is still absolutely among the best and most interesting skis in that directional 100 millimeter underfoot all mountain category. So props on that Enforcer 100. And relatedly, I just wanted to say a quick word. I mean, Luke Kappa as he started skiing the Enforcer 110 more, it started to seem like Luke might want to argue that we have maybe been underselling that ski a little bit. Is that fair, Luke?
2: Yeah, that that ski was one of my favorites from all of last season. Um, I think in any relatively high snow area, I could use it as my only ski and be perfectly happy on it. It carves better than any 110 ski I've ever used. Um it like the Enforcer 100 it is pretty damp but not very demanding. And I think I think why I like the Enforcer 110 a bit more than the 100 is because they gave the 110 a bit more of a playful rocker profile and it just feels a bit more intuitive for the skiing I like to do. And I would love to see an enforcer like one oh five with a
0: twin tail. If Nordica is listening,
2: I would purchase that ski. Ooh, that sounds <laughs> cool. That sounds cool.
0: Who knows? Maybe you'll get your wish. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say about that right now. Let's keep it moving. We we're going to need at some point just do a whole podcast about front side skis. Um oh, yeah. because because we've never really done that. But um, for now. Since Sam has a date he has to go on shortly, um, Jesus! I'm back to being mad, Sam. Okay. <laughs>
1: yeah, that was pretty that, clear. <laughs>
0: yeah, let's talk about this head eye Titan. Sam and I, I think, spent the most time on that ski of of uh, of the group here. Sam, what do you got? I, I, I mean, I don't All know. Right, maybe, the... maybe I'm the one who who wants to uh, beat this drum the loudest, or or wave the Titan flag the the hardest, or something, but. What are your thoughts well, on right. this, one? Here,
1: here's my one sentence review of the iTitan. The iTitan is like a Phantom, a Rolls Royce Phantom. It's hmm. fast. Hmm. It's damp. It's plush. It's not a Lamborghini. It doesn't want to like go crazy fast edge to edge. It's a it's a Phantom. It's like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: put it up on edge, it just goes. And it's super mm-hmm. confidence inspiring, and it's incredibly smooth. Um, mm-hmm. It's not like that supercharger or these these skis that are super strong and, and demanding and unforgiving that'll just put you mm-hmm. on your ass if you make a mistake. It's just it's just easy to ski and really fun.
0: Do you mean the K2 supercharger, the ski that <laughs> literally put you on your ass,
1: Sam? That is exactly what I was referring to. Yes. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um Yeah, it's it's remarkable. I, I made some comment in the buyer's guide that like you could call that Eye Titan the Eye Trainer, and I still really stand by that. I I thought that was one of the most interesting. I think I well, it's what I wrote. I mean, I think expert carvers are going to have a really good time. Uh, there's just a smoothness that is really noteworthy, and, and it really stands out in that Eye Titan. But I think the other thing is, like Sam said, it's actually not like this big demanding ski and i think that a lot of skiers who are maybe coming up and maybe interested in like man i want to i want to i want to ski that actually is inviting uh that encourages somebody to feel their edges and use their edges and get up on edge i actually think that titan is a pretty good training tool so it seems really weird to talk about a kind of high performance carver That also is one of our first choices Uh, for somebody who is like learning to up their experience level and um, and their ability like like what ski might make you a better carver. I feel like that's the same ski and that feels pretty noteworthy to me I guess.
1: Yeah, it's definitely an interesting ski. I think we even we even took it down a couple bump runs at Taos, if I remember
2: right. <laughs> you took it down <laughs> you a couple did. bump
1: runs. Yeah.
0: <laughs> to be to be clear, Sam, like I wasn't trying to ski bumps on the Titan. And I remember I remember actually you were, I think, on the head eye rally, and we were skiing some gnarly off-camber bumps. And I just I was mostly praying for you. And it's probably the most impressed with you I've I've ever been, to be honest. <laughs> so I I'm still not one that's going to talk up the Titan and the Eye rally as like yeah and take it in moguls it's fine. My my thoughts on that are these kind of hammerhead shaped you know tips. I'm I'm pretty clear on that. But but we did witness it. Luke and I both witnessed yep. Sam uh, charge some some moguls on that thing in ways that I was impressed and terrified. So yeah,
1: and to be yeah. clear, I'm not recommending it as a mogul ski. Uh, that was more an illustration of it's it is pretty forgiving. You know. Okay. There's a lot of skis you could not have done that on in that class, you
0: know. Okay. Align Sick Day 104. This is another that I think, again, uh, another season on it, and it's another ski that, well, all of us here and even some reviewers not currently on this call got on and were like, yep, Luke, why don't I give you the floor?
2: Yeah, I love that ski. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of like how the Zero G is the boot I could use for everything. Well, everything for touring. Sick Day would be the Sick Day 104 would be this one ski I could use for everything, both inside and outside the resort. Um it I'm totally happy skiing super fast on it in the resort. And it is every time I look at its weight, I think we made a mistake because it seems way too light for how good it skis. And it's still like fun. Like a lot Mm -hmm. of the 50-50 skis, you get very serious directional skis that are very impressive in their own right, but just not Mm -hmm. something I would normally grab. But the sick day, it's poppy, it's energetic, it's a ton of fun to carve on groomers, um, Mm -hmm. and not demanding just overall a great ski. and. Our reviewer, Sasha, got on the women's version, the Pandora 104, and she was kind of equally in love with that ski. Um, so yep. it seems like Line has done a very good job with those.
0: And and I think one of the just strange things about it is we kept coming back to like how poppy and fun that ski is, and yet it still has a mount point of like minus like 10. Mm-hmm. So... There's just an interesting combination of like, and I think we were most of us, right? I, I don't know if you push the bindings forward, but I only skied it on the recommended line and was like, man, this is just this poppy fun ski. And um, so, again, it's kind of one of those where you're like, it's 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 lighter than it feels like it is it's got a more traditional mount than it feels like it has. And I think those are some of the characteristics when we start talking about or what gets us excited about a particular ski. It's like no product should be able to do all of this stuff. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, It's a great one.
0: Last thing we'll talk about here, J-Ski's Master Blaster.
1: So, okay. Well, like Jonathan, you've, you've been sort of seeing the praises of this ski for a while and I, quite frankly, was skeptical. And I think Luke and I both got to ski on it this spring and we're equally impressed by just, it's a, it's a intuitive ski that's damp and relatively strong. You know, it's got a pretty high speed limit, but at the same time it's playful and easy to break free. And, uh, that's not a combination that we, that we see too, too often. And I, I was very impressed by the master blaster.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I haven't been on many like sub hundred millimeter skis, that I've been just in love with and the master blaster was one of the few exceptions. Um, like I got on the blizzard Brahma and it's a very, very good ski, but kind of like how the enforcer 110 is a bit more appealing to me because it's a bit playful, kind of the same thing with the master blaster. It, it has that damp feeling that you look for in a metal laminate ski, but, it's got just enough playfulness to make it a ski that I would actually want to ski on, um, and I think it's a it's a rare combo in that category.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that was one where I had I had spent the most time on it last year, and was kind of looking around, and for just different reasons, I don't even remember why I didn't I wasn't able to get you guys on it, but I was like, this thing is pretty remarkable and i was like i'm i was really curious to hear what you guys thought i thought you guys would like it and then you guys i think both came back like even stronger on it than i thought you would be anyway my main point here is i really don't need you to my my (laughs) instincts about all this are basically dead on so uh so sam you're fired (laughs) enjoy rollerblading all right yes get you guys later (laughs) Speaking of which, we do actually need to let Sam go. And so we had other stuff we were gonna talk about, but I think we might need to just save this for next time. And and I mean, I'm gonna we're gonna get Sasha Nastis talking about some of the um some of this buyer's guide stuff on the women's side. We're gonna get Paul Forward on this. And so is, is that the smart play here? Should we just leave it at leave it at this for now? And then um this will be sort of part two
2: we just talked about all the products that we were most impressed with or most of them. Um, But what goes kind of unseen is all of the long and often hotly debated conversations about what doesn't end up on the best of list. So we wanted to talk about a few products that we think are really, really good um, and are worth noting, even though they didn't technically make the best of list this year. And then Mm -hmm. on the opposite end of the spectrum, we have, the products that we had the highest expectations for, but then once we actually got on them, turned about turned out to be the most disappointing. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that will be a fun conversation. I'm really excited yeah. for that one. <laughs> ready, ready, to, ready to talk some trash. <laughs>
0: um, and those of you listening to this, you should actually feel free to write in any comments or questions you have about the guide or specific products that were in the guide. And you can just list those in the show notes to this episode. And and um, maybe we'll get to some reader comments or questions uh, in the next round, too. But yeah, it was quite a production. And again, I will uh, take this opportunity to thank Luke and Sam for their stupid amount of hours of work on this thing. And, you know, and all of our reviewers were certainly pitching in on this. And I think we're pretty kind, as we kept badgering them about, you know, various things. And so, it is absolutely a group effort to do something this big and just very proud of the whole crew once again for the, for the work on this. So, so thanks to you two and thanks to everybody else at Blister. And, um, on that note, Sam, when's the last time you were rollerblading?
1: Oh, I was about 11 years old. <laughs> <Figures. I> got, <laughs> That's I,
0: the, that is the right answer, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> that is the right answer.
1: So I'm super nervous for this, for my safety more than anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. I found these like old speed skates from the '80s in my dad's basement. They're five wheels, and they're just like gnarly. So I'm a little, I'm a little nervous. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. I, well, now I am too. <laughs> good thing it's still so, light out. Exactly. Good thing it's still light up. Well, hey guys, thanks, uh, thanks for the time. We will do this again soon. Um, good luck on that date, Sam. I hope she marries you, and <laughs> we'll talk to all of you later. All righty. Cool. See ya. All right. See ya. Thanks. That's it for this edition of Gear 30. Thanks to Sam and Luke for the conversation. And again, send us an email or leave a comment or question about the guide in the show notes to this episode, and we'll address some of those questions in the coming weeks. Finally, thanks to our podcast producer, Luke Alley, for his work on this episode. And we will talk to you again next Friday. Take care, everybody.